0: Welcome to episode six of the Screen Presence podcast. This is the final episode for this season and the second part of our two-part series looking at the subject of mental health. Matt Longley is our guest today, who joined us to talk about his work with Six Feet from the Spotlight. Our guest in the previous episode, Jude Spencer, recommended that we speak with Matt, and I'm so glad we did. The work Matt and his colleagues are undertaking is both fascinating and vital. It's driven by necessity and passion and is already making a significant difference. The links in the show notes will attest to this, as will this interview with Matt. My co-host for this episode is Paul Whitaker, co-founder of the excellent 4 in 4, a Cardiff-based organisation which works to create participatory, interactive, collaborative projects that blur the boundaries of art forms and challenge perceptions about mental health. I was introduced to Paul by Alan Whitfield from Disability Arts Cymru, an organisation with whom my charity, TAPE, has a long-standing partnership. As you'll hear, Paul shares some very personal perspectives and I'm very grateful to him for coming on the show. My thanks too to Matt for being our guest on this episode, episode six of the Screen Presence podcast. Welcome to the Screen Presence podcast. My co-host for this episode is Paul Whitaker. Paul, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what brings you to the podcast today?
1: Um, hi, my name's Paul Whittaker. Uh, I'm a filmmaker, writer and artist who has bipolar uh, depression. Um, sorry, I paused then because I've had it long enough that they've changed the name on me several times. Um, the condition and the effect hasn't changed, but the name has changed uh, quite a lot. Um, and I run a mental health arts uh, business um, with my creative partner tamsin Griffiths, who also has a uh, mental health diagnosis. And um, yeah, what we kind of focus on doing is we we are two um, people with mental health who work professionally in the arts, and we found that we had difficulty engaging in in some of the other you know, sectors um, that, that didn't damage our health. So we met and we started making work together And in, in the last few years. Um, that's We've really become quite prominent within Wales um, about, you know, as leading examples of, of working with mental health, you know, um, for ourselves and with others. Um, and so that's kind of what brings me to this podcast, really, is that, you know, I have lived experience of mental health and lived experience of how the industry has affected me.
0: Thank you Paul it's it's really good to have you as the as co-host for this for this episode and joining us uh, as our guest for part 2 of our episodes looking at mental health is Matt Longley from 6 feet from the spotlight hi matt hi steve hi paul thank thanks for being here matt and can we start with you just sharing a bit about what brought you into working in the field of mental health
2: yeah so um if- about 10 years ago, I uh, started work. Um, I was working in the equipment hire business, bizarrely, um, and we did trackway panels, which are which are big three-meter-by-three-meter three aluminium panels. They go out onto film sets, um, and I got the plum job of working on the last Harry Potter films, two Harry Potter films. So um, I got dispatched down to Leavesden to sort out a few problems they were having there um, and got really friendly with all the crew down there, the locations team and the unit teams, and... Um, and sort of kept in touch with them over over a period of time did a bit of consultancy work for them um and ended up going to a few of their film industry parties down in uh, down in london um every so often um and one of the guys that I knew quite well a uh, location manager called Michael harm unfortunately about three years ago uh, took his own life um he'd obviously had depression um which nobody really knew about um so and about the same time a friend of mine uh, also took his own life so um I kind of decided we'd try with with a few people from the industry try and do something to try and change the way that the industry worked because Michael had written a letter um about his experiences in the industry and how it had driven him to depression and he felt lonely and there was no support um so we decided we'd try and do something about it um so I kind of started that voluntarily set up six feet from the spot about three years ago with a, a band called, uh, well, the crew of a band called nothing but thieves who've just released a third album consequently, um, coincidentally. Um, and the crew there w- were struggling on a tour in, in America. Um, the singer was having trouble sleeping, uh, Connor and it's, that's all well documented. Um, and so, we, we kind of set that up. My brother-in-law is a psychiatric nurse. He runs mental health services over in Manchester. Um, and my sister's a psychologist, so I got it, got that kind of thing in the family and I'd got the kind of business type of um, things to do that. So I retrained um, to teach uh, what's called IACT um, positive, Promoting Positive Mental Health and Wellbeing um, course, which is uh, accredited by the Royal college of psychiatrists and also set up six feet from the spotlight to try and f- pull a network together of people who could help the crew in the industries uh, in the creative industries so um film tv theater and and music um and that's been going about three years now um so yeah so that's that's how i got into it. it's quite a quite a long story but it's yeah um quite an quite a different one um, I'm a chemical engineer by profession. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a long way, but it's it's kind of a creative industries have always been a passion of mine. So uh, yeah, and I'm now doing it full time.
0: So in the process of setting up six feet from the, the spotlight, did you come across other examples that sort of galvanized your thinking that this is the right thing to be
2: doing? Yes, yeah, well, I um, very quickly got put in contact with um, a lady called Leo Anna Thomas, who was a standby art director. Um, And she's been diagnosed with um, borderline personality disorder. Um, And she worked as a standby art director um, on some fairly significant films. So Bohemian Rhapsody, um, the last series of His Dark Materials, um, which was filmed down in Cardiff. Um, And she'd been campaigning for eight years to um, set up a a new role in the industry called a wellbeing facilitator. Um, So we teamed up with her... um, and she'd lost two friends as well um, in the industry from from the art department. She was obviously at standby art directors in the art department, so she'd lost two very good friends um, from from that department in recent times. And as we talked, we found that we both had similar exper- similar experiences. Um, we got involved then with a film and TV charity who last year did a uh, big survey in the film and TV industry on mental health and um, what how many people in in the industry had suffered from mental health issues um, and the the results were were staggering so uh, about 87 percent I think of people who worked in the industry have suffered from some form of mental health issue Um, and more worryingly uh, 55 percent had thought about taking their own lives at some point and the normal national well the national average is about 20 about 20 percent so it showed you there was a significant issue so that came out uh, well we we started work with them in July last year and the results that were published in January this year um, and then they've set about putting a, a, a plan together called the whole picture program which we've been working with um, to try and improve so there's they've got several different um, uh, strands to that um, but you just everywhere we go now when we have put Things out on Twitter or Instagram, talk to people. Um, the the stories and the human stories that come from people being driven virtually to uh, to depression or anxiety through working in the industry, or if they if they're working in the industry and they've already had an issue, getting no support and just hiding it because they're worried that they won't get another job. That kind of thing is be, has been outstanding, uh, astounding, really to me. Um, so yeah, I think we've we found we're on the right track, um, and that. That we are needed um and hopefully we can we can push forward with what we're doing and try and try and put these well-being facilitators in so that they make sure that because the the big issue for me is that the the production companies don't meet their legal duty care anyway um so they don't provide any support they don't um they don't help people so there's no support there for people at all um the well-being facilitator is there to make sure and help them do that i'm sure they want to they probably don't. No, um, it's a it's a case of money. So I suppose um, show them that commercially, it's best for them to treat the people well and and improve their well being, but also then help the cast and crew because usually those environments are are very um, fraught. pressured um because things do go wrong things aren't always going to go right um and and help the cast and crew when the when those issues arrive and especially now if you take the context of where we are with um all the problems with covid and also um the the extra things for black lives matter and that that kind of thing then you you get a a bigger picture as well uh, that make it even worse for people
1: so matt i think you've you've painted a really good picture of where the industry you know is in with this issue and I think if anyone is surprised by this I would be surprised by that you know it's it's if anyone's who's worked in the industry because it's not you know it's it's not a glamorous uh, industry you know in what we do it's it's you know it's very uh, physically and mentally demanding you know on its best days um and actually that's often the attraction to it as well so you know it's it's not all bad, but um, with the work that you're doing, what I'd be interested to know is when you started reaching out to companies and to the industry, is what kind of engagement did you get? You know, initially.
2: Initially, it was hard, really hard, um, because people didn't really know who we are, who we were. Um, they didn't know who I was because I was a supplier to the industry rather than somebody who'd actually worked in it um, directly. Um, although uh, my background is kind of engineering so i i kind of got stuck in and and helped out on things that perhaps i wasn't wasn't supposed to be doing so most of the crews did know me but the industry then is so fragmented that it's impossible to actually get any kind of support and i think that's the problem the film and tv industry are having is you've got to pull together people like the bfi bafta pact who the um, independent film film companies uh then there's the big big producers, your Netflix, your Amazons, um, who again, actually, uh, you know, Netflix and uh, well, Amazon in particular, commissioned other companies to produce things for them rather than doing it themselves. Um, so trying to get that was, is difficult. So there, there wasn't a lot of um, response from the companies. Individual crew were very responsive. So we did some training sessions at Pinewood Studios probably going back about two and a half years um, to train um, some of the big productions have unit medics on, as you'll know. So train the unit medics as they understood a bit more about mental health. And we did that two or three times at Pinewood. Pinewood were great; they gave us a room for free, fed us and watered us, um, that kind of thing. But um, it took a while, and it wasn't really until COVID start COVID took over, and, and everything got locked down, and the industry basically shut down. That we were able to then get to the some of the bigger bigger players um, because they had they had time and wanted uh, and were able to listen, um, and people like Beck too. Who, you know the union um and some of the others got behind the same thing and the film and tv charity have done some great work um pushing this out into other into the into the bigger company so um covid's taken the load of the money because obviously then people had no money to work so um that kind of but we we're still in the background so now beck to are working with us uh, bfi have started to um to look into it and have 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 kind of started saying we'll trial it on a on a production that was supposed to go to supposed to shoot in march last year but it's now march this year or oh, sorry march 2021 so um we'll get we'll get there in the end so yeah it was it there, there wasn't a lot in the first instance people kind of pay lip service to it the bbc i gave a talk to the Health and Safety Executive have a have a meet have a committee called the uh, Joint Advisory Committee for Entertainment, and I gave a talk to them back in November last year, and the BBC were there, um, and they have lots of things for their employees. So they have well being, they have mental health first aiders, they have well being programs, um, lots of support. As soon as you go to freelance workers, there's nothing. Um, and tony lennon from beck to kind of called them out on that during the meeting um so there's no and there's nothing there is nothing for freelancers um the film and tv charity have also got their helpline now uh that people can call for all sorts of issues but uh including you know, financial legal and mental health uh contractual that's kind of things uh and beck two are in the background but there was nothing for freelancers so now there's a i think there's now a big push to to get free stuff there for freelancers and support um, which is which is long overdue people have been kind of used and abused i think for for too many years and things have got to change
1: yeah i was going to say well you've anticipated you know where i was going to go next is because my my experience of working in these industries is as a freelancer and you know as a freelancer that brings a lot of issues anyway you know you're constantly uh, financial uncertainty you know you're doing one job you know and you're thinking about the next one you know so there's issues there anyway being a freelancer but within this area I mean I'm presuming there's a lack of agency you know from my perspective like if you are suffering for your mental health and you're an employee you know contract employee on a production uh regardless of how high up you know from you know there is a hierarchy within a you know a set you know and a a production um you know if you said this situation or this individual is causing me mental distress what really recourse have they got?
2: You know, at the moment, none. Um, unless they're the person who's who's their line manager in effect, or somebody senior uh, will take that on, and that's been the issue. that That is the main issue, is that there is nowhere, no, no recourse. No, um, you know, companies have normal companies have grievance policies and um, HR that they can people can go through. Um, there is nowhere for for freelance come. Freelance contractors to go to, um, and that's what we're trying to get to. So if you if you look at what the uh, film and TV charity in back to just set up, starting to set up with with racism, they're setting up a body which will hold people to account, and the same thing needs to happen with mental health. Um, so that's where we kind of went with a wellbeing facilitator. So. The stunt coordinator on a production uh, will be able to turn around to the director or the producers and say, no, my man is not doing that. Um, and the wellbeing facilitator, we're hoping, will, uh, A, have already set things up to prevent that kind of thing happening, but is also there to act as a third party to be able to say "To, to say there's an issue here, um, what, what are we going to do about it, and actually report things back. Um, we did a trial on a small production um, over the summer, and that was the issue we had, was that it was the senior people who were who were causing a lot of the issues rather than the junior ones. Um, and then where do you go? Um, because in law, the producers are the directors of that company um, and therefore have the accountability. So they're the last person you can go to. Um, and unfortunately, the health and safety executive, and there is no other body, uh, nobody will enforce anything. So you're kind of stuck. So that's where one of the strands with the film and TV charity is to get accountability recognized and make and hold people to account um, for their actions and make sure that they meet their legal duty of care to uh, the health and safety of people, which includes mental health, full stop, and it includes mental health of freelancers and visitors and volunteers and anybody else who's actually on your production. You have a duty of care to them, full stop. Um under the Health and Safety at Work Act, and you have to risk assess it as well. So, um, a lot of them are in. Well, most of the productions are in breach of the law. The problem is nobody's taken into account for any injury that's that's uh, that's caused. And and people with, yeah, you know, people with existing issues, you have to risk assess them as well, and and, and provide support for them. So, um, whatever that might be. Yeah, that
1: that that kind of sums up my position. Is that you know I come with a pre-existing condition. Um, you know, and I'm aware of it and I'm responsible for that, you know? Um, and so, so I can say that my experiences with the industry have, mm, they've definitely exacerbated existing conditions, you know, and to be honest at the beginning that I have to take some responsibility of that. I didn't clearly lay out, you know, what I needed, what considerations I needed, um, because you know when you're applying for a job to give them a list of why you are mentally deficient in this role you know just seems you know uh not a great thing to do in an interview um i, I once had uh I, I once actually did a contract through a disability scheme so you know we could be open and and frank about you know our our limitations and 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 the support we needed um and, they, and I got onto the scheme, and it was physical and mental illness. And I was the only one that was there with a the mental illness. And I got on the. Everyone was great. And they did confide in me later that they saw me as their biggest gamble, you know, over the physical, because they felt they could define the physical disability in a clearer way. And, you know, it's uh, mental health can be surprising and amorphous. And uh, it's, it's they're not quite sure how to fit it in. Um, I and the way I what I took from that was actually I wasn't offended, I could see their side, and you know, but also, would they have told me that if I hadn't gone to the scheme and then done a good job? You know, they, they probably wouldn't, I'd have just not got the role and not known what their concerns were. And I think that's something is opening that conversation where we feel empowered to talk to people and say, you know, it's not just about the disability, these are all my abilities, but with it. Come these, you know, access needs, um, and it's very hard for us to start that conversation because the power structure is is in their favour.
2: That's right. So yeah, and the the thing we've done, the wellbeing facilitator, is um, in the IAC course that that I run, we teach people how to use what's called a personal wellbeing promotion plan. So you would on there, you would between you, the wellbeing facilitator and the crew member, disclose any any issues you have and that's between you and the well-being facilitator now normally in, the, in a normal workplace that's done um between should be done between you and the line manager but obviously in a film set that's very difficult to do so we do it between between the well-being facilitator and that's confidential between the two of you um so that they know what support you might need and if there's an issue then they should be working with either the health and safety advisors and the producers to make sure that that there's a policy beforehand which recognizes that that is what will happen and then they prov- they can provide the support for you um so that's the that's the idea um and it's it has worked i think the last production we did uh there was 60 crew and 17 people actually filled in the form which um leo thought was was not many um and i was i was amazed that that many filled it in <laughs> so um it's it, and it's it, it's really interesting to see what people will put down there because if, if you do know how to support somebody through um in your in your case bipolar then you know what to trigger triggers to to look out for what might trigger you um you can build up the context of what's being shot what's uh, the content of what's being shot that might trigger somebody as well um and also you've put down there what to do if if you go into one of your depressive phases or should you go into one of your manic phases you've got, given somebody an idea of what what should somebody should do um and who to contact perhaps as well um is it do do, do you respond to somebody talking to you um sitting down or do you just need to go for a Uh, for a wonder that I know I'm I'm making it sound a lot more simple than it actually is but um, it's that kind of thing that you could do Uh, and so we've that's what we're kind of pushing because in physical things I you know every time I go on holiday I've got arthritis in my hip from playing cricket I get asked if I'm going on holiday and I put filling in insurance I've got arthritic hip so then they go okay that's fine off you go Um, but People will probably know what to do. I'm not going to fall down, and um, it's not that bad uh, yet. Um, but the people, from a physical point of view, people would know what to do. So have you got a pacemaker? Have you got this, etc.? Um, and, and they know. So, yeah, we need to get that parity, I think, as well, between mental health and physical health. Because they film with TV. They have every yeah, health and safety advisors that looking at falls from height and stunts and fire and this sort of stuff, and nothing for mental health
0: given what you're saying, Matt, it, it seems to me like there's a need for that process to begin as early as possible. Um, so from the first conversations, when a production is being discussed about being put together, that you're having those conversations, you're part of those conversations. So you're not just coming in and trying to get people to fill a form in on set, that that process starts a lot earlier and actually involves cast. And everybody, everybody that's involved, is is that something that you're
2: working towards? Yes, yeah. So we're working on a production at the minute with NBC Universal, um, which is for Amazon. And we've started early. So the actual prep starts next, uh, sorry, in the ninth, um, shoots on the 23rd. But we've already been working with them to say, right, okay, we're going to build a policy. So first off, we start with the mental health policy. And fit that in around what other policies they've got as well for things like bullying and harassment, because the two are the two are intrinsically linked. Um so you do that. They understand what we're going to be doing. They're employing um, Leo as a wellbeing being facilitator on set. Um so she's gonna go on the recies um, and see what locations we're using and what's available so she can work out where she could set up as a as a little room so that there's somewhere for people to go and, and break away from what's happening. Um so starting as early as possible, plus you're already having a discussion with them about budget. So what is this going to cost you? Um, this particular shoot moves on to uh it's a few weeks in the UK and then moves to the Czech Republic. So what what provisions can we provide? In the Czech Republic, there's very little mental health support uh in their health system at all. So somebody's gonna have to provide that. So we've we've been, we we've been talking to a clinical psychologist who's available who can who can help. Um and also then we've we've still got the support of psychiatric nurses and, and, and other people who are therapists in in the UK that can talk to the crew who are out there and, and Leo will be out there. So yeah, starting as early as possible, putting a plan together and a policy together so that over then when you go into the shoot, nothing's a surprise. We'll be part of the crew um, and, and the crew and cast will know who we are um, and know that what we're doing and why we're there um and we'll be able to contact us so we, and you set up networks as well so there'll be a whatsapp group for the crew um to contact us little things just get sent out every couple of days something like that checking that people are all right um the last production we worked on obviously it was during the summer so it was really hot so it was make sure you drink make sure you do this that sort of thing um and this one will be will be slightly different because it's um the the thing we've added into a lot of things is is context so what's the context of what you're doing um if you if you're away in the czech republic for 12 weeks people are away from home so you're adding in that context of of, of loneliness um whether people have got people around them anyway they might be missing the family um and that kind of stuff um if you're filming in a um a remote location again then they, there's no way to wind down in the uh on your day off um you're just stuck in the middle of nowhere um which you know even i've been on, involved in that when i've uh, been up in scotland on uh, in february and you, you can't go anywhere other than the kind of digs you're in so trying to set all that up and get it done as early as possible plus we're looking we're going to look through the script to see if there's anything that might trigger people um because this particular production does occasionally have uh, violent or torture scenes or um uh even better things that are related to people's mental health. So could that possibly trigger people? So we're going to go through that as well. So yeah, as early as you can start the better. Um, and then everybody knows where you are um, and the money's there as well. So it is, and it's not a great deal of money either.
1: So in terms of you, as in your organization, are putting a lot of work and effort, you know, and it's, and it's like pushing a rock uphill. Um, I'm sure there's times that you despair and, and, uh, um, but, you know, in terms of with the engagement and it's it's great what you're saying, these good examples, these positive examples. But what do you think it really what will shift? What will help accelerate this process? Do we need more people in certain positions to be more vocal? You know,
2: it is. What do you think would help you, you know, move this forward? Yeah, I think I think some of the leaders and big, big players in the industry um, have got to really make a stand now. The the film and TV charity of, of created what they're calling the the industry task force um, which includes some of the big players um so once that gets moving I think you're going to have uh, a bit more of a drive um from the top really to say okay this is what we're going to do um so in there you've got uh, people like Barbara Broccoli um the guy who's the head of Pinewood Studios you've got the people from the BBC Channel 4 um so the people who are commissioning need to be saying when we when we commission with a production company, we want them to do this. So this is where you know the BFI have been great. They've said, right, we're going to trial and we'll give, we'll, you know, you will get funding as long as you you put a wellbeing facilitator on, and it's going to take that kind of thing to actually move this forward. And it effectively say to people, you must do this, otherwise you don't get funded. Um, and that's the only real way of that's the only real way of dragging it th- of dragging it up that far. Um, so there's campaign to do that the film and tv charity are trying to do that and they've been given three million quid by the uh by various companies in order to do um to do this project whole picture program um so hopefully that will will get that moving um covid's kind of a it's taken a, a it's put a hole in that program a little bit because it's pushed it back Uh, but also I think it's made people think and reset and go right okay yes we need to do this and we've got and we've been able to get to some of the the main players to actually be able to say look we think this is what you you kind of need to do um as one thing and the, and there's another a few other things that you need to do as well but this is this is what we can do to help um please let us go ahead and do it and people are so back to a looking at it um the film and tv charity gave us a grant to train um several black asian and minority ethnic uh people as well being facilitators which we start next week um and then back to of coming forward hopefully to to put some more people on that as well so eventually we'll I think there'll be a movement to do that, and I, I think it just takes people to say, right, okay, no. What a couple of line producers we know have actually said, "I'm going on the job, but I'm having a you bringing a wellbeing facilitator on, or I'm not working on it." Which is so there's a, there's also a push from the bottom, so you get the push from the top and the push from the bottom. If if crew, if crew and cast want it, and the the feeling we've got when we have put um, when Leo's been working, and certainly the feedback we've had has been fantastic from both cast and crew um
0: it's so encouraging it's yeah. really encouraging and and that, the, the whole point of the podcast is for people to have stuff to take away and apply to their own work yeah. and if this isn't that then you know <laughs> i yeah. think that's just, i think that's just brilliant i did want to just say it, it might be worth mentioning who leo is because you've mentioned leo a couple. yeah so
2: of yeah so leo anna thomas is um she's she pushed started eight years ago working um to try and get a well-being facilitator. She kind of created the role and thought of it. Um, She's a standby art director. Um, She's a member of Six Feet from the Spotlight. Um, And so she's been working with us and she's been trialing the role. Um, It's always interesting because she kind of knows this stuff intuitively. Um, So I've been trying to... Extract what she does and how she how she got to that point in order to turn it into a training package that we can use to train other people. Um, and that's been real. So that's been a really interesting thing over the over this uh, lockdown period and the uh, and subsequently through the summer. Um, and we've got now it's a, a syllabus um, of about four modules um, that people get trained in. Um, so they do mental health first aid, they do the IAC course that I run, they do a load about mental health policy, mental health law commercial considerations how do you actually go and talk to a producer and say look if you spend this money you should be able to save this and we give them some examples so you know the harry potter thing um it was all going they, they wanted trackway everywhere and people were, they moved it around all the time and it just cost them money um so my role was to go down and sort that out and and stop them spending quite so much money even though it's my job to get them to spend more but you know the building a relationship but also other other anecdotal stories of turning i turned up at a studios one day and there were 17 telehandlers um you know why do you need 17 how many drivers have you got and go, four <laughs> so why have you got seven? just people not talking to each other and siloing themselves so there's all sorts of things like that as well to build it up and then there's a load about positive psychology so and coaching so quite often people won't understand that there's no training in the uh people get promoted in the industry um simply because of time served effectively or they've done this and that and the other. Um, there's no training then on how to manage people. Um, so we're trying to put some coaching skills into it as well so that people can can try and help their crew uh, to, to perform better, uh, but also understand that, you know, coaching people rather than effectively decreeing what they're going to do is something that uh, and having to bully people because you can't get them to do what you want them to do uh, other any other way is 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 not right and will and and it gives them the tools to do that so um, there's that side of that side of things that we're working on as well Um, and then there's longer term programs so we would try and do some management training and resilience because in my background as an engineer I've had Um, Really good training over years about management style or how you analyze things and don't create a blame culture, Um, that kind of thing, which drives people's, and that's what ends up making people bully and harass in the end is, you know, people haven't done what I wanted them to do. Uh, Why has he done that when he should have done this? Well, you haven't actually said why he should have done it or he didn't actually understand what you were supposed to be doing in the first place. So trying to get that across as well. So that's the whole the whole program
1: yeah um i think you've done a really good job of like defining the industry that we want but you know there's also the reality of the industry that we currently have and um i know that you i doubt you will have the authority to answer this but in the hypothetical just say that of a of a production it's the director's unreasonable behavior you know is affecting the whole crew you know not just individuals really in that scenario now as it stands you know could you get that director removed in reality, you know?
2: Um, it's difficult to get them removed. I think you'd probably rather go to a point where you educate them. Um, it's that's not easy because quite often the you know some of the directors that I've met have um, uh, been interesting um, because obviously they have this creative vision and and you'd probably put them almost some of them on the autistic spectrum. Um, so you're going to struggle to necessarily change the behaviour, but uh, I've just to so to answer the question, I don't think you could. Um, you possibly could because obviously there's been a lot of stuff with um, Times Up and that kind of thing, so where it's been sexual harassment, then people have been removed uh, from the industry quite successfully. Um, but I think there's more of an education piece around that. So I have done talks with Directors UK um, over the last over the, over the last few months. Um, and they've been really receptive so some of the directors have come to me and said you know we want to have um, somebody who helps with the mental health of our crew on set um, because we want to get on with the creative vision that we have and not worry about uh, that other people aren't being looked after Um, to the point where one of the directors um, whose shoot is happening in the next few months couple of months um, if the production company don't provide him with the money Uh, to put one of us on, uh, he's going to pay for himself, pay for us himself. So there's that kind of um, drive. So, yeah, So yeah. but you're right. The directors can quite often cause the issue because of the – but, again, it's about people understanding. And one thing we're trying to pull across is that if somebody understands what your creative vision is and what we're trying to do, um, they're more likely to go with you rather than be working against you. If they've got no idea why you're doing something or what you're doing, um, then – then they it tends to cause a bit of friction. So um, again, that's about planning and, and doing things, uh, and people understanding why they're there and what they're trying to do, um, and they understand their role and the vision of of that director.
0: What's next for Six Feet from the Spotlight? What are your kind of the short term plans that you have, and uh, where are you going with it next?
2: Yeah. So next we've got this project with uh, NBC Universal. Um, hopefully. Uh, that will go well and we can use that as a as a springboard to to do more um, we're working to try and get more wellbeing facilitators available so that other productions can um, come and talk to us and get those people on board um, so the long term the, there's kind of two ways is we we want we don't want it to be we've just trained people and they disappear off into the ether and we never see them again. We want to build a network and that's part of the reason the film and TV charity gave us the grant for the uh, for the Black Asian and minority ethnic communities that we wanted to build a community so that people are learning more um, and developing as they go through and there's a network because in all of this is if you what we found is that people all think the same there's always there's somebody around there who's had the same experience as you so when you think you're alone you're not so what we want to do is make sure that people who are working with us or working as well with facilitators have somewhere to go and say look this has happened what do I do and somebody else will have the answer or will have an idea that you might be able to use so I think over a period of time we see there being um, as I suppose the, the goal is that we would be something like the British Stunt Register where we'd we'd kind of registered Uh, have a register of wellbeing facilitators and productions would come to us and say who have you got and we can go so and so uh we'll come and work for you so that's the kind of goal um also i think we want to have somewhere where there is accountability so when we do find issues which we will do we've got somewhere that we can go and um take people hold people to account so hold and and get that industry change at the fundamental level so that we're uh, we're stopping things we're preventing issues happening in the first place rather than reacting to um the issues that are created um so we've got that prevention arm and i think that's the that's the key is is actually having people are always going to have mental health issues but you can you can prevent them and and in my experience of, of working in some big companies um and and managing people is if you can take away some of the work stress Uh, some of the other things that they have in their life become a lot easier. Um, It's when that whole thing comes together and they have relationship issues, they have a mental health issue, um, they have um, a bereavement, there's something else goes on in their life and they've got work on top and the two are conflicting, that's when it causes real problems. So if you can improve their work life, um, it's quite often they can deal with what's going on in their personal life and and get better and they become become more loyal, they become... um, Better performing, um, and they'll they'll thank you for it in the end. And I think you'll have a better industry if we can actually get if, if we have we have a better and more creative industry if we can get to that that kind of goal.
0: Thank you, Matt. Paul, thank you very much for co-hosting as well. It's been a fantastic conversation. Um, thanks for coming on the Screen Presence podcast.
2: Pleasure, Pleasure.
0: thanks, Steve. The Screen Presence podcast is brought to you by Tape Community Music and Film in partnership with the BFI. Artwork is by Matt Canning and the music was written and performed through the Tape project, The Sound of Colour Orchestra. Post-production is carried out as part of Tape's Media Club, a project through which people from across communities work together and receive person-centered training on a range of creative activities, which in turn supports the development of new work and ideas.